Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two journalists sit down and talk baseball. I'm your host, Tyler Foy, and back with me this week is my wonderful co-host, Camilo Fonseca, coming back from Montreal. Well, I was at Ikea last time, actually. Was it? It was, it was Ikea. I, that weekend, I went to Montreal. That is true. You were I gone, got, though. That is I the was main gone. point. Yeah. I, you and Colin did a fantastic job in my absence while I was trapped looking at furniture well, for yeah. three hours and it, it wasn't like you had too much to say about the rays and the deadline anyway that's true there was not a colin would not I, a ton in of stuff. fairness colin had a lot more to say about the deadline uh for his personal reasons he did yeah fandom. i i listened uh to to his takes earlier this morning and um it was interesting i'm not sure i'm not sure um i'm not sure i would be as harsh as as colin on the nationals but that's not what we're talking about today I, we can talk a little bit. I mean, okay. it's that feeling of losing your franchise player, a person you wanted to support for the rest of their career. And you can't. You still can, but you can't support them on your team anymore. There, there's a lot of emotions that go into that. Uh, I know the Rays haven't lost too many franchise players. So. The Rays, yeah, the Rays haven't exactly had too many franchise players. So. Um, the, the thing that I took away from the Soto trade is assuming that the decision was made to trade Soto. I don't think the prospect package that the Nationals got back was all that bad. Um, you know, and just earlier today, they promoted C.J. Abrams up to, uh, I think his, um, yeah, I think up this morning, and he'll, he'll be playing tomorrow. So, I don't know. I, I understand that it's very difficult emotionally but yeah. I think I think there were a lot worse outcomes for the Nationals if they decided to trade Soto somewhere else. Yeah, and there's a lot more at stake for the Nationals here because on the other side of it, as Colin was mentioning, that there was the aspect that the new investors were only into buying the team with the idea that Soto was going to be a part of it. Right. So that also puts a little wrench into that, whether or not there's going to be new ownership. And maybe at this point, you look at a rebuild process and you say, maybe you want to stick with your ownership. I don't know how he feels about that and what Nationals fans feel about it. But where I do think he has a point is that I don't think the decision to trade Soto was the right decision or at least i don't think that they exhausted all possible avenues of trying to re-sign him before they committed to selling him um because i think if they had gone for example if they had done something with shorter term higher aav i don't know would he have been more amenable to that than being locked down for 15 years in washington i mean it, it was a i thought it was a good offer but i you can understand I... why juan soto would balk at at the prospect of being tied down to Washington for essentially his entire career, certainly his entire prime. I disagree. I don't think it was a great deal for... for oh, I'm not saying it do. was a great deal. I, like, I totally understand why he... Declined it. He declined it. But I think it... I don't think it was an insulting deal to Juan Soto. You think... Um... And I think more... I think 
if the Nationals front office had not resigned themselves to thinking, oh, if he's not going to take this, we'll never be able to work out a deal with him. I feel like there was something there that could have been worked out, maybe not now, but in the off season, maybe. Or at least I think it was very early, you know, two years away from free agency. I think it was very early for them to have to come to this decision. But having, like I said, having made decision to trade him, I don't think their return was terrible. Do you think um, Soto was inside the negotiations room with the Nationals ownership and they gave him the offer and he looked at them and did like a little Soto shuffle and said, (laughs) no, 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 I'm taking that pitch. I'm waiting for one I can swing at, you know. Uh, But I do believe that this conversation is quite leaning towards uh, on the other side of it, which is San Diego. Um, And they made this move with the idea that they were going to have their star player coming back uh, to really unite this team and push forward to the playoffs. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anymore due to um, their star player's actions. Well, to tell you the truth, I think as a San Diego fan, despite like what you had to give up for Juan Soto, I think I would be very grateful right now that that deal ended up happening. Because now, at least, they they still have a chance of making it to the postseason. I think if this stuff with, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. had come out and they hadn't signed Juan Soto, that would be the end of their well, season. Well, they still don't have him signed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no deal in place. There's no deal. Sure, sure, sure. But at least they have Juan Soto and Josh Bell going with them into the postseason if they make it, which they will not have Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, why... Why did Fernando Tatis Jr. not make it so that he was able to join his team? Because I thought he was rehabbing. Right. I thought um, he was. I thought he was really close to coming back, and they were going to make a playoff push. Right. What, let's what let's inform our listeners that do not know the the biggest piece of news that just came out abruptly, uh, which was that Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the biggest rising stars, uh, some would have said. It could even still say was was really turning into the face of baseball uh, over the course of less than a season. Really, uh, was about to make his return to the major leagues, and all of a sudden he got ringworm. It seems, uh, and he tested positive for PEDs, uh, following in the footsteps of his father. Uh, but <laughs> but. It was was super surprising. It was super surprising to me. It was super surprising to everybody. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks on to why a young player as Fernando Tatis is that would need these steroids, if you want to talk more about the actual case here. Well, apparently he submitted a sample to MLB as part of his rehab thing, and it tested positive for Clostable. Clostable. I don't know how you you pronounce it. Um, and he got an 80-game suspension. So that's not only the rest of this season, that's going into next season. That also means that he won't be able to play for the DR in the World Baseball Classic. Um, so essentially, he is not able to play major league, minor league. Not He's not able to have any sort of MLB or MLB-affiliated participation until, I don't know, like... Um, I think it's like April or May right. where when it ends. 
Um, and he claimed in a statement, who knows if this is true? We, don't, we should clarify. We don't have insider information on whether this is accurate or not. He claimed that he was taking the drug as a ringworm medication, which fine. We know, we know that he has ringworm, or he had ringworm a couple weeks ago because he posted about it. But I think something that everybody who has Google picked up on is that Clostibol, the thing that he tested positive for, is not used to treat ringworm. The drug that he actually, that actually is used for, uh, for ringworm is not Clostibol, it's Clobetasol, which is an over-the-counter, you know, medication that I assume you can get easily in the Dominican Republic. Um, Clostibol is an anabolic steroid, which is not exactly easy to come by, not here and certainly not in the Dominican Republic. Um, so that makes you think either Tatis was misinformed as to which drug he needed to take very for close his to ringworm. Hey, very close it's to a name. very close, th- it's just a couple letters off, or he's a big liar, which I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying one way or the other, but it seems that, it seems unlikely, a lot of people have said that this was a genuine mistake as he as he portrayed it on on his social media and on his statements um so the other players that the last player that's been linked to to this was d gordon who also received a suspension back in 2016 uh, and then a couple figure skaters prior to the olympics were also tested positive uh, for this steroid uh, obviously though what we do know is that, well, I guess we don't know entirely, but you got to somewhat trust uh, MLB's testing policies, uh, is that Tatis did not use the steroids and play at the same time because he's been out for the season, uh, and then as soon as he's trying to get back into the season, he tests positive. So as if we are under the presumption that MLB tests their players, which... Which is a presumption. Which... Because we don't know exactly how... I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that... And also, I mean... There, I don't think if they were to pop any player or let any player slide under the radar, I feel like if this was a corrupt baseball organization, which hey hey, it could might sure know, sure I get, uh, I get they would why wouldn't you let Tati slide anyways? But yeah. that this they're not right. They're right. not maybe. Um, well, but, that's sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, he didn't play with this in his system, so. I think it's quite interesting. Uh, it's just a scenario in general for the his reputation going forward. Well, that's the thing is that Tatis has not played a full 162 game season in the majors yet, and it seems that he has already torpedoed or at least severely damaged his chances of getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, obviously the attitude towards PEDs might change in 20 years or whatever when he's, when he's eligible, but it seems like this has irreversibly tanked, um, what was just a couple days ago, a very, very promising reputation, um, and a very, very promising player. I mean, like you were saying, there's no evidence that he was playing, uh, with steroids when he was in the majors and he was still, you know fantastic defensive offensive player 
So it's just, it's tough to see. Um, and I think everybody across the majors, but especially in the on the Padres, are just really uh, disappointed, as are many fans. I know yeah. I'm disappointed. Yes, yes. Uh, I, the frustration for, for what I've gained from my Padre fan sources uh, and just what I've seen is, is the main emotion that is is going around but for me it's confusion right it's confusion i don't understand why a player like tatis he is so young into his career maybe he's really trying to i have my theories i have my theories that we'll get into after in just a second but just on the base the on the premises he's super young he's not it's not like he's an old player who's trying to recapture recapsulate something from prior in their career he's genetically gifted six four shortstop build uh and it has all the tools you need necessary to be a fantastic baseball player why does he need to take any steroids so the thing that i I know you mentioned this this a couple days ago is that people have said that maybe he was trying to rehab from his injury um which i guess you know is a possibility um, and he thought maybe you know rehab the rehab with that drug earlier that way he he would be able to get back on the diamond faster he'd be able to help his team earlier for a for a playoff push um and I don't know I guess he'd thought it'd be out of his system by by then but it's just I don't know I really don't have much to say on it other than other than that there is zero excuses. For a player that hike him, though. Uh, I have yes. seen him. Oh, He's been getting scrutinized. And I don't know if all of it's fair. You know, I've seen a lot of things about him being selfish, irresponsible, um, just not mature enough for the league. Well, because remember, and, this isn't the first thing, even this season, that has led people to think that he's immature or... Yes, because the motorcycle. Because the motorcycle, the whole reason that he's out is because... He he broke his wrist uh, in a motorcycle accident um, that apparently was not the only motorcycle accident that he's had in recent times, based on you know his statement. So well, well yeah, you know, Chris Sale broke his fractured hand on a bicycle sure, in Boston sure, College. Sure, 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 so sure. I know a few things about selfish players, <laughs> um, and for the Padres, this isn't—I mean, this isn't the first time they have had any interaction with a selfish player. I mean, Manny Machado recently came out and said, um, I don't give a <laughs> heck because I'm Manny Machado about any series against the Dodgers and how they were playing. Uh, so, but, but at And least... also Manny Machado said probably one of the most um, important things about this is when he was asked about their chances to the playoffs and, and how it affects the team. He said something on the lines of, we've been doing it all year without him anyways, so we're just going to keep performing, which is how I feel about this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, and now they have, like we were saying earlier, Juan Soto and Josh Bell, um, and Josh Hader. Um, Well, he blew his first save, That's true, that's true. In theory, they have, you know, uh, a great Brandon Jury, don't forget. Right, and Brandon Jury. So, they, the... Odds for the Padres are not dramatically worse than they were before, um, but I'm sure they would have liked to have count on, you know, somebody who was supposed to be at least the face of their their franchise 
Um, and talk, to circle back about Machado, at least Machado, I know you're not a big fan. Oh, are at, you? At least, <laughs> at least Machado is a leader in that clubhouse. And he at least commands respect in that clubhouse, which I think is something that Tatis, you know, obviously as a young player, didn't. And certainly it will be very hard for him to do so in the future with this coming out. Yeah, you know, the Padres are going to keep pushing to, to, towards the playoffs. They're still like 16 games out because of how magnificent the Dodgers have been playing. Uh, and we'll, now we should move on into some of the series that have happened over this past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and as well as the important things to look out for as we move on through the season, such as the American League wildcard picture, because that one's super, super interesting to me as a American League fan. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's super competitive because I think there's a lot of teams that are in this race. Yeah, it's it's I, I looked at the the standings since uh, the multi-team wildcard was instituted in like 2011, I think. Um, this, if the season was to end today, this would be the closest American League or the closest wildcard race, um, in Major League history. Um, because no wildcard, um, in history, first of all, has had three teams qualifying for the wildcard. Second of all, no wildcard race has ever had three teams within three games of the wildcard. Um, so this is, is certainly something that's really, really fun to watch, like you were saying, as an American League fan, as an American League East fan, um, because four of, at least four of the American League East teams, you could say five, we'll we'll get to that, but at least four American League East teams are looking like they have a real shot at this postseason. Um, And one that has been, I think, the most surprising for people looking at this season you know, a couple months ago, is the fact that the Orioles right now are only one and a half games out of a wild card spot. Um, they've been on an absolute tear. They were on a tear before the All Star break, and since the All Star break, they've I think been thirteen and nine. So they are absolutely doing you know what they need to do to get in that um, wild card spot. I mean, right now, you know, they're the three spots are held by Toronto, Seattle, and Tampa. But even Toronto which is at the top of the wildcard picture. They're only one game ahead of Tampa, which is at the bottom. Um, and Seattle is half a game ahead of Tampa. So really, you could take any of those um, top six teams um, in that wildcard race in the American League, and any of those could realistically end up being playing in October. Hey, and you know... You know... Even though they are a little far back, I think you could even say the top seven teams, right? <clears throat> top seven team? Well, uh, interesting. Well, we, we could say that. Um, we could definitely say that. We'll get to the seventh team in a little bit. But at least for my money, I would say, you know, White Sox, Twins, O's, Rays, Mariners, Jays all have a real shot at getting those sure. that last three wild cards they look a lot better than the red sox i'm sure and listen i'm not saying they will it's really hard to buy into the team uh, at all but i will never give up on a team in october or uh, for october baseball in august that is five games out because 
there's still a lot of games to be played, a lot of series to be had. Uh, five games can go away and can come in like a blink of an eye, uh, which we saw within the Mets versus Braves series, uh, which we'll talk about. Wow, I, I, we could just scan through it right now. The Mets played the Braves, uh, and they were the Braves were only a half game behind the Mets. And then after this long series, they were five games out. So just like that, you could lose so much traction in your division and or in the wild card uh, with just a four-game series that goes your way, right? So I wouldn't say five games back is anything to be too worried about. But it is, I mean, once again, I'm not saying I'm buying into it. I'm just saying for people to absolutely count them out i think is a little ridiculous sure i i completely get that um but i i I like what you were saying about that so much of this especially when it's so close so much of it hinges on these single series um for example the orioles were just playing the rays you know they just finished a three-game series they had a four-game series i think before a cut like last week um these series which would have been you know last year they would have been oh whatever it's it's not that important. These are crucial, like must-win series. Um, the the Orioles' next series. It makes it more fun to watch. It, oh, it does absolutely. Um, you know, and that gets more fans in the stands. It gets more more people tuning in on TV. Um, the Orioles, in particular, they, you know, just a game and a half out, but they have some real. Um, th- this next week, I think, will determine a lot of what their their postseason aspirations are because their series against Toronto, which they're just going on to, I think is crucial. Um, because even though Toronto is on top of the wild card standings right now, it's only by one game, so it's not that much, and they have been in a deep slump since the All Star break. They've lost seven of their last ten. Um. And I think if this, if the Orioles have any chance to really gain traction in this wild card card race, it's this series um, because they have the momentum, not Toronto. Toronto, for on the season, is twenty nine and thirty nine against teams over five hundred, um, and they have multiple series against every team in the AL East. I think they've played their division um, less so than any other team in the AL East. Um, Toronto still has multiple series against the Yankees, multiple series against the Red Sox, multiple series against the Orioles. I think they only have one series against the Rays, but those are all um, series that are going to be must-wins for Toronto if they want to stay on top of that wildcard spot. If not, I think this is the chance for Baltimore to really get a leg up. This is a chance for any of the contenders. Uh, the uh, the Blue Jays are coming out of being three and seven out of their last ten, and the Mariners, who are in the second wild card position, have lost seven games to the Astros. Uh, they're zero and seven to the Astros since the trade deadline. Uh, they had a series against the Rangers where they actually won the series, but other than that, they've been very poor uh, since the deadline passed. Uh, having trouble to face their division rival and who uh, uh, you know if we're looking at the postseason picture right that doesn't look very great for them even if they do eventually face the Astros in a series or two but they did perform well against the Yankees so who knows you know baseball is so so much of a coin toss sometimes but 
I don't I don't want this to be to be coming off as a as a homer sort of thing, but I really do think that out of the three teams that are currently in a wild card spot, that Tampa is best positioned out of all three of them because Tampa has been playing for the vast majority of its season with most of its players injured. Um, but now we're looking at, within the next couple of weeks, Wander Franco coming back, Harold Ramirez coming back, Manuel Margot coming back, Brandon Lau just got back, um, and, you know, we just got some pitchers back as well. So this is, Tampa, I think, has a shot at solidifying its its position within the next couple games. Um, and I think Toronto, you know, these are its games to lose if we're talking about that wild card spot. I think somebody, just the main point, I think, somebody's got to catch fire soon. Because although that, uh, you know, they are all very good baseball teams at the moment, you look at their splits right now in the last 10, you look at their splits since the all, uh, All-Star break, um, they haven't been performing as much as some other teams that have caught fire. And that's what September needs to be. You know, you can look at August as much as you want, but September is where it's all the marbles, right? Uh, so you might even be looking at teams right now that are saving uh, some of that energy that they would be putting into for September. So they're laying back a little bit for a pay- playoff push, not using as much micromanaging, so to say, uh, because you can really destroy your bullpen with micromanaging if you are um, trying to fully maximize each win, which you should be doing as a manager. But I guess there's a time and a place for micromanaging. Uh, so that might be coming as a factor for some of these teams. You mentioned catching fire. Um, and I think one thing that we have to look at when we're looking at this wild card race is the fact that one of these teams is not the Cleveland Guardians anymore because the Cleveland Guardians are now uh, atop the American League Central, um, and they were in that wild card race for so long, and now it's it's the Twins that are in that spot. Uh, the Twins are two games out of a wild card spot. So when we're talking about teams a having slumps and watching the b watching their uh, competitors catch fire all of a sudden. Um, that's been, I think, the real struggle for the Twins is that they've lost momentum at a really, really critical time. Um, and they're either going to have to hope that Cleveland loses some of that momentum or they're going to have to settle for a wild card spot. Or they miss the postseason at all, which, you know, being on top of your division for most of the season is going to be a really tough pill to swallow. Yeah, no, for for sure. And, and listen, <laughs> the Twins... Have have had many tough pills to swallow uh, in their their history right now. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, they are not like I I don't think any of these teams should be counted out. Not even the Red Sox. Like the Red Sox, you know, five four and a half games back. All of these teams have something to play for still. Um, for example, the Twins still have two series against Cleveland. You know, that's eight games that are going to be absolutely crucial um, in figuring out what happens with the entire league so really it's there's a lot of baseball that's going to have some really interesting uh ramifications that's going to be played in the next couple weeks definitely 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 and and some teams that are so far out in their division race you almost consider them 
Um, not even talking points, really, because you know they're going to win it, just like the Yankees and the Astros. But you, I don't think that means they should be ignored. Uh, so we need to discuss right now what's happening with the New York Yankees since uh, trade deadline, since All-Star break. They have been losing series. This last road trip, they went 2-7 and seven over 9 games. Since mid-July, they're playing about, you know, 350 baseball. You know, you don't want to be doing that in any case. But something's gone wrong. Something's gone astray for them. Uh, some people are right now calling it the curse of the Gallo, which I think is very funny. They traded Joey Gallo to the Dodgers, who was doing abysmal in New York. They needed to get rid of him. Uh, and then all of a sudden he starts playing a little better. You know, he's not hitting 300 in L.A., but he's definitely not hitting 167 in L.A. like he was as his time as a Yankee. And some people are now calling for this curse that is um, harbing their, their chances right now. And uh, I don't know exactly where it's going wrong for them besides maybe they're getting quite unlucky in some of these games. You know, their pitchers aren't performing as well. Uh, I don't see it in their offense. I don't think that's been the, the drop-off. I really do think that it is more on the pitching side. Uh, and I think it comes to game-to-game -to -game situations, right? Uh, I don't know whether or not it's anything to be too concerned about if you're a Yankee fan just because you have such a lead. Uh, definitely not a thing to be concerned about uh, for their division. Uh, just a concern going forward if this does last, which I don't believe it will for a team of their quality. Uh, but they don't have the best record in baseball anymore, which makes me a little happier. That's a it's a small comfort. That's those are the things we have to to hold on to. Um, you're right. I think a lot of it is pitching. Um, you know, obviously Severino's been out. That's not helping them a lot uh montas has also not been doing super hot he has a with the yankees in two starts he has a uh era of nine uh, which is not not what you want obviously two starts is not a big sample size um but that's like way worse than the the 318 that he had in oakland um and against the cardinals um you know which that's a that's a playoff caliber team that you should mm -hmm. you should be performing well against or you you want to perform well against. He only went three innings, um, so I don't know. I I think especially for Montas, you're gonna to want to watch and see uh, if he shakes out of it in the next couple of games, or if that can continues to be a real problem. Um, because you know, having dealt Jordan Montgomery, um, is that gonna come back and bite him? That lack of that lack of pitching. Yeah, no, Harrison Bader is not making an appearance, so, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, maybe the, the idea there wasn't as good as, uh, well, you know, Cashman doesn't always have the best ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, the other thing is that they have a lot of people that should come back from injury, um, certainly before the postseason starts. Um, Stanton's been out, Carpenter's been out. Um, so once those pieces come back, I, I think there will be a lot less to worry about, hopefully for Yankees fans. Hopefully. What are you talking about? Uh, well, not hopefully for me. I hope they stay on the IL through February. Um, but assuming all goes well, um, I, I don't think this slump is going to be a real issue. But hey, you know, they had a 17-game lead in the American League East at one point, and now that's down to 10 games. So Oh, we're almost under double digits. So once that gets under double digits, you know... 
Could those could the Blue Jays could the Orioles be taking a shot at the division championship? No, don't we know. don't know. Don't we don't know, know about that. Baseball's unpredictable. We baseball don't know what's gonna happen. O's could catch fire. That's all I'm saying. O's could catch the fire. The O's could catch um, fire. But this has been a very American League uh centered episode. Uh so quickly, we'll we'll run through a little bit of what's been going on in the National League. Uh, that isn't Padres news or Mets news because uh, we gave you guys a little bit of that scope. Uh, who could have guessed it? The Dodgers are absolutely tearing up the National League, tearing up baseball right now. They went on a 12-game winning streak uh, that just got broken up today against the Royals out of all teams to beat you. Uh, you don't expect it to be Kansas City, but... Uh, they did eventually lose, right? But I don't feel like much needs to be said about it because the Dodgers, they're the Dodgers. Who could have expected that they would take over and have the best record in baseball? Um, I, surely not me, right? Uh, these guys are made for winning. They look like a Death Star, uh, just like the Yankees did earlier. Um, they have so many different pieces. that c- They can beat you in so many different ways. And, I mean... I wouldn't like to see them win again, but there's a great chance that they're going to be out there at least winning the pennant. At least on paper, they're the strongest team um, in baseball right now. Um, and that, you know, says a lot for a, for a league that's been had a lot of good competition going this year. Um, the fact that the Dodgers are 16 games up in the NL West has been... You know, I they certainly have nothing to worry about in the foreseeable future. As long as Joey Gallo keeps, you know, hitting tanks, I think they're fine. I think he's Joey Gallo's carrying. That you know team. what it was? Joey Gallo able to grow out his facial hair again. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he's feeling more like himself, not like a uh, his high school self. Well, the other That's thing is difference. is Ben Attendee. You know, he had a little bit of rock and a little bit of a stubble in Kansas City. Now that he doesn't have that, he's making errors all over the field in New York. So. I don't know. Maybe the Yankees should look at that policy again. Oh, well, they won't. They won't. Well, they won't. They won't, but but maybe they should. Well, if it's a problem, maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should keep it. (laughs) Maybe they shouldn't. Uh, Yeah, tradition is super important. The last team that we're going to discuss, just a little brief thing on, because you should know about it, is the Cardinals, who have been on a a, a good tear. You know, they've taken over that central division as well as been seven and three in their last ten. Um, so. That's another thing, though. If we're we spent a lot of time in the AL wild card, but we shouldn't pretend that the National League wild card spots are locked up either, um, because the Brewers are only one and a half games behind the Cardinals. Um, so if they happen to have a, a little more luck in their next couple outings, that entire picture could change as well. Um, I do think that's the most interesting division. Yes, in the, the National League, Central. definitely. Uh, even if it's just a two-team division, it's pretty much the closest thing we have to a race at this point. Um, right, because that was the Braves and Mets, but you know the the Braves, I think they got close to clearing that, um, which they've won their last six games following that series, which is you know impressive. The bounce back, which is good emotionally, it's tough for players. You know, after you know you come so close to 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 break that again. Uh, but they're still behind five and a half games, right? So uh, there's there's not a lot of hope for them. Especially now that, you know, Max Scherzer's back, DeGrom's DeGrom is back. back. I don't think the Mets are getting any weaker, you know, barring any unforeseen 
In fact, they're just gaining more and more traction. Right. Uh, having more and more fans in the stadium, hoping that Edwin Diaz is going to come out and get the save so they can all blast the trumpets away. Did you know that the art, the artist for that said that initially the trumpets weren't going to be part of the song? That that was a, like a last-minute edition or something? It was a great last It was a great, edition. yeah. I mean, that's making the Mets season. Speaking so. of the Mets, we only need to talk a little bit. Did you see the Keith Hernandez drama? Oh, no. Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. No, he just said, no, this is... Oh, Keith so Hernandez dumb. says whack No, no but all, all he did, all he did was like series ago, he said the Phillies defense was terrible. Right? True. And then the <laughs> Phillies beat the, I don't even know if they beat the Mets, but there was a play at the plate and the Mets player was thrown out and Phillies fans were coming out and berating Keith Hernandez about him insulting their defense which I found hilarious because everybody knows, and even Phillies fans know, <laughs> that their defense is one of, if not the worst, in the league. But because Keith Hernandez said it, they had to bring it back up. Well, that Phillies-Mets rivalry is truly, you know, we're talking about baseball tradition. That is harkening back to an era of baseball's past. And I say that because the Phillies are not remotely competitive with the Mets in the 2022 season. You know, they're 11 and a half games behind. Um, they're barely holding on to a wild card spot. So, I don't know. I, I had not heard that, but I think it's very funny. Um, very I do funny. Love, I do love me some Keith Hernandez drama. And we do love to also look back, as you mentioned, some some of the history, history of rivalries and history of the game. Uh, and a, a historical game happened just recently, the Field of Dreams game, uh, that I didn't pay too much attention to this year. Uh, for the series was not that interesting to me, uh, but the Cubs and the Reds played on the Field of Dreams field. Ken Griffey Jr. was there. That he was the highlight. Came, he apparently. came out of the again. Uh, I didn't watch it. Of the court, he came out of the corn. Um, but let's let's get this straight, okay? Last year, very fun, exciting Last year, great game. game. It was maybe well, my, my. I thought honestly, it was my favorite re- regular season game. Well, you know, because they they probably juice the balls, but hey, oh, I'm sure, you know, you know yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. you want to say about it. But this year didn't really make sense. Cubs, Reds, it was very strange, especially because last year or before COVID, um, I don't know exactly what the timeline is, but before I think the Yankees were in it, um. The Cardinals were actually scheduled to play the White Sox. Or maybe the Cardinals were playing the Yankees. I don't remember. The The point is, the Cardinals were in um, the Field of Dreams game at one point. And then scheduling stuff changed. I think it was the pandemic. So it became the White Sox and the Yankees. Fine. I don't understand why you wouldn't make this a Cardinals-Cubs series. Like, legitimately, there's no reason why... First of all, the Cubs... There's, the only reason that they were playing is because they're nearby. Because they were not a good team last year when it was picked. And they are not a good team this year either. But they're also a historical team. Sure. That is for sure. The but Cubs are a historical If you team. wanted to... Fine. Let's assume the, the Cubs were playing there. The Reds, also a historical team. But you you don't think that the, the Cardinals-Cubs rivalry would make a little more sense to put on national TV? A, because the Cardinals were a good team that play good baseball and B because that's a historic um, series with lots of tradition behind it 
Um, you know, last year you take two power historic powerhouses of the American League. This year, it would well, make sense well, to take two historic powerhouses. White of... Sox historic. Powerhouse well, sure, of the fine, League. but it's at least it has a storied history, and you know it makes sense because it was the Field of Dreams. They were close and by, they, and just like the Cubs, they were close by <laughs> exactly. But the Cardinals are also close by. The, the St. Louis is close to Dyersville. Um, I don't know. I feel like that was a missed opportunity. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, I thought the series didn't make sense. Um, but overall, these at this point, I don't know. Hey, who could have predicted it? Both of these teams, not good baseball teams towards this point of the season anyways. So it was already unattractive to many people. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the the metrics or, or the ratings, but I'm sure that it's not even close to to well, what happened last year, which I think was the, the most watched Major League Baseball game in, like, decades. Well, here's, here's the thing. It's not returning next year. The guy came out, the president of it, already came out and said they're not having it next year. So the question is, where do you put the next fun series uh, for baseball? Because we've had the London series. We've had the, the Little League World Series one, right, when they were in Williamsburg. We've had Mexico series. We've had Puerto Rico series. Do we, do, would you like to see any of those return? Would you like to see a new place get involved? Well, I think all the baseball should be doing as much as possible to internationalize the sport. So I think all of the ones that you mentioned are important things to go back to, which there will be. I mean, they... they um, I think having multiple in one season is, a, is what is they a should great do. Thing. Exactly. But if we're talking specifically about, you know, historical tradition sorts of, of, of deals, well, first of all, I, I think it needs to be something that where not only the location is historic, uh, I think the most important thing is that the So you teams think the are, location are, it needs to be historic? I think, well, for something like the Field of Dreams game, um, because I think that's different than what you do with, um, like, the series abroad, okay. and the, like the Great right. Britain series. Because, like, the NHL, the NHL does the stadium series, which is just an outdoor thing, and it has the Winter Classic, which is set, they're basically the same thing in that they're played in, in non-regular NHL venues, but the Winter Classic is specifically to commemorate um, history, like the, the tradition of the league. And that doesn't mean it has to have like original six teams or teams that were um, founded at the beginning of the league. It just means that there needs to be some sort of, of honoring uh, baseball, or in this case, hockey's tradition and history, um, which is why I think a lot of the appeal of the Field of Dreams game was, uh, even though they had the wrong uniforms this year which is not something that i'm not i'm not gonna get into that but they they have essentially the cubs i don't know about the reds but the cubs have worn their 1919 uniforms before and the ones that they chose for this year were not their 1919 uniforms um or at least not the primary so what whatever <laughs> um, I um, I agree with you that it should be if they do a one-off game like this, it needs to be something that's important to the game of baseball in some metric, right? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be any random place. I'm more of a fan of the series than I am about that. I feel like there's a lot of limitations when you get down to the nitty gritty of of those type of games, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to talk about well, how much the Field of Dreams encapsulated people one because it's a damn baseball field and a 
in a cornfield. Two, because of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It had a lot of name value to it. So I can understand from a marketing standpoint that with doing a series that has more history and a more historical ballpark that they like renovated or whatever, there's another education aspect to actually selling it to the consumer. Rather than Field of Dreams is a widely popularized movie that people have seen uh, that is a lot more, um, I guess, just marketable in general. Mm -hmm. And they're only going to do it whether or not I like it or not. They're only going to do these things if it can make the league money, most likely. Which is, again, I don't understand why you would do it with some of the two worst performing teams of the 2022 season. Um, and I, I was talking about the Dodgers and Giants earlier. I think that's that rivalry is is something that could be used to great effect in something like the Field of Dreams. Um, you know, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, I think maybe, I not think that would be great. Uh, recently, the the Dodgers and the Royals, when they were playing against each other, they threw on some throwbacks. Yes. Uh, and the Dodgers ones were terrible, but the Kansas City Royal ones were pretty good. Yes. Uh, but the Dodgers ones were actually atrocious because it was literally just the Dodgers logo with the Brooklyn Dodgers logo. Uh, but their uniform still said L.A. Do- it was weird. I thought. I, it was a weird mix match. They should have said Brooklyn across their chest, but I would love to see um, the Dodgers bring back their satin uniforms. Have you heard of the Dodgers satin uniforms from nineteen forty four? I have not. It's it's a, they're never gonna do it, never. But it would be so fun. Um, but regardless, I think the Dodgers and Giants are two teams with a lot of history together um, that you could put together, find somewhere historic in California. You could even do it, um, and I don't know if they would, but I think it would be really interesting to have the Dodgers and Giants play a series in New York, like at at um, not Ebbets Field, at City Field. Well, I don't know. I think I don't, I, think, that I don't be, think that would that would be terrible. I think I don't think it would be terrible. I think it would be uh, an interesting way to throw back because think about it, City Field is meant to represent. I mean, it's literally meant to represent Ebbets Field, um, but it's. City Field and the New York Mets in general are meant to represent or carry on the torch of these teams that departed New York in in the 50s. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I don't think they would do it. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. That's my that's the Tyler take. Never going to happen. But I think that sort of rivalry is one that's ripe to be used. Whether it's in a, a Field of Dream setting, or you could even take the Dodgers and Giants games and put them abroad. Because especially if you're trying to market baseball abroad, you want teams right. that are recognizable. Um, and A, that are recognizable. B, that are good. I think we'd just be sending the Yankees every time. Well, yes. However, <laughs> assuming that we can't do that and don't want to, which I don't... Um, you know, I think the Dodgers are the next best thing to the Yankees. Um, and I think besides that, if you're trying to find someone historic to play the Dodgers and you don't want it to be the Yankees, I think, you know, the Giants are the natural answer. Yeah, I think international is great. Uh, there's obviously easy cop-outs like saying, hey, there hasn't been a game in the Dominican Republic, right? There hasn't been a game in Cuba for a series, that so to say. Uh, so I do believe that if there are, you know, the right stadiums and it all lines up correctly, they need to bring games down there 
uh, for them as much as that country, those countries have contributed to the game uh, and the players within it, the player base, fan base, whatever. Um, of course, I would like to see them cross into the Pacific again. Uh, doing another Jap- Japan series, a Korea series would be awesome, uh, where we have crazy bat flips from all the players and it's accepted. No, no hate. You know, all the oldies, mm-hmm. they won't be. If we teach them that the Korea is what they do out there, you know. <laughs> Well, it's who do you? So here's the other question: Is who do you think should play in this? Easily series? the Angels to Japan because Otani needs to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same reason that the last time they went to Japan, it was because the Mariners had Ichiro. He came out. He was like waving all the people's retirement mm-hmm. tour, whatever. Um, same reasoning. You have to have that for Korea. I think you can you can go with a wide spread of different people different teams that you know, I think it could just be a competitive ball game that they could send out there. Mm-hmm. You know what would be a great series to have in Mexico? Because I know they have the Monterey series in Mexico. And it would be tough because it's an interleague series. Um, but if you put the Dodgers and the Astros in a three-game series in Monterey, that would be electric, I think. Um, I'm more for... Because both of those teams, first of all, have massive Latino fan bases, more more accurately, large Mexican-American fan bases. Um, and both of those teams have not only a historic rivalry, but an active rivalry. Because both of those teams are... are Even Padres could fit. You could all, Yeah, you could also that. do Padres. Yeah. And Padres is probably easier because they're in the, the yeah. same division. Um, but I think... Yeah, if you're doing, and I imagine, I know they are doing a series in in Mexico, which I believe is in Monterey. Um, I think those would be the teams to do it with. If you were doing a, a something in the Caribbean, who would you? What teams would you have? Honestly, any any team that would that would draw a crowd. But I think what would be even more important is bringing out legends of the game from that country. Um, of whatever, whichever one we are in, uh, to represent. Yeah, well, I think bringing out... But that also depends on... You need to have teams that have had... I, I guess not really, because you brought Craig Griffey Jr. out for the Field of Dreams game, even though he has very little to do with the Cubs or the Reds. Um, or the Field of Dreams. Or the Field of <laughs> Dreams. Um, but ideally, if you were bringing out old players, you'd want them to be you know, connected to the teams that we're playing um which you know if you could do realistically there's so many people you know from the dominican from cuba that have played in the majors that it wouldn't be that hard i think Um, it would be super fun to see blue jays red sox that's what i was the red sox was one that i was definitely thinking of just because they've had so many you know not only so many dominican players so many important and impactful dominican players play for them yeah absolutely and the same you're right the same for the blue jays i think that would that would definitely be a good series junior right now yeah team wait well he's canadian right oh he's getting sorry sorry (laughs) sorry Sorry, guys (laughs) um i'm surprised you didn't say finland oh i would i would love to play something in finland well the finland thing is something that in general and we can talk about this in another episode but I think that whole market is untapped potential for Major League Baseball. Because um, if you guys didn't know, I know Tyler knows this, the Finns play a sport that is very similar to baseball, but is not baseball. 
Um, What's it called? What's it called? I, well, I'm not going to say. I, I'm just going to leave right. it at that, and then we can talk about it later. Sounds like a little evergreen topic, mm-hmm. uh, but we are going to wrap up this podcast as we hit our hour mark. Uh, so, if you enjoyed this episode, um, I'm glad you did, and you guys should tune in next week for our next one as well. Uh, some updates to our social medias and how we want to move the podcast going forward and and promote it uh we're gonna have some new accounts launch and i know camilo said he's gonna be in charge of running our instagram account so you guys should follow us on there once it's up we will be posting uh some graphics there we'll keep you guys in the know uh, and anything interesting that happens between us two, maybe will be on the little stories tab. So uh, giving us a little life updates from here and there. Uh, and then as well on socials, uh, our opinions, we tend to not, you know, tweet all the time on our accounts, our every opinion on every subject in baseball. There's a lot going on, uh, a lot of things that maybe we would love to joke about, but we don't really put on our accounts. That's what the Two Seam Podcast Twitter account will become. Uh, everything that is up to date, we're going to be um, putting out a little comment for each one. So follow us there at the Two Seam Pod. That account is up. But if you want a more professional view and to keep up with my stories, to keep up with my other takes, I know I'm a lot more comical on my Twitter than uh, my friend over here. Mm. But. Uh, you can you can follow me at Tyler underscore underscore Foy and Camilo. Um, you can find me at Fonseca underscore ESQ. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you guys again next week for another episode of the Two Scene Podcast. Mm-hmm.